guys doing? God is good, man. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we just came back from a leadership retreat uh, this past uh, weekend. Uh, we had over 80, <coughs> 80 new recruits. Uh, the way we use, uh, we use like a military language here at New Philadelphia Church, if you're new. Um, we have, we have what we have. We have new recruits. So these are people who are just coming on to leadership. And then what we have is we have like reserve leaders, which means that after they go through our training, they come under leadership uh, for a season where they're just being trained up in the house as up and coming leaders. And then active leaders are actually the people who are doing much of the discipleship. Um, a lot of times during the altar ministry as well. And then we have the apostolic leaders of the house, which is uh, the leaders who provide uh, a lot of the core um, leadership and direction under Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. And so, yeah, this past weekend we we went out to uh, it's called Christian Centennial Hall. Uh, it's in Jongno Oga. Oh, there's my Korean for you again. And uh, yeah, I don't even I can't say the name of the place in Korean. Um, I would totally it's like Bekchun Jin I know it. I know it ends in Guam. And so we went out there. We had uh, over 140 people, uh, all leaders in this house. The one thing about New Philly that is uh, kind of different is that most of the people in this house are leaders. And so we we want for you to join the house in, in membership, but we're not actually comfortable. We don't want you to be comfortable being an attendee. You know, because we believe that that God wants to transform you into his likeness, as it says in, in his word, in, with ever increasing glory, meaning that if you're staying the same, you're not being transformed into his likeness because there is an increase that is supposed to happen in your life if you're a believer. And so um, if you, you're attending this church, we're going to make we're going to make it pretty uncomfortable for you uh, because we want to see you increasing in this house and we want to see you increasing more and more to embody what it means to look like Jesus. Um, so we went to this, uh, we went to this uh, conference hall. It's where we had the Niagara conference uh, last year and uh, we had healing and deliverance sessions. Uh, he- healing and deliverance is one of the main staples of new Philadelphia church. It's part of the reason why you see so much freedom in this house, why you see people just running around just with not running, no one's doing laps yet, but uh, why you see people just shouting with shouting unto the Lord with their hands raised and whatnot, because there is a freedom that they are experiencing in the Lord. And so we saw some powerful fruit. We saw people getting healed from sexual abuse, getting healed from rejection, getting healed from um, just so many pains that was taking place in their life. Uh, things that have been bottled up ever since their childhood. So a lot of people, uh, different hurts and pains, abandonment. Uh, so many different things we saw people getting healed and set free from. Uh, not only that, but then a lot of people were getting delivered. You know, not just healing was taking place, but deliverance, meaning that people are getting set free from sexual addiction. Uh, people who are addicted to drugs, living under bondage to drugs, you know, they were getting set free from those things. And God was bringing them into his glorious freedom. Yeah. And so, but the, the vision of our church is not for us to have a retreat once every year. And then, you know, a hundred people get glorious freedom and then everyone else is just like, I'm waiting for my freedom till next year. The point of it is that when the leaders get trained up and the leaders receive healing and deliverance, that they would bring it to the other people in this house. And so that's that's the idea. That's the point of it here in this church. And so, yeah, we saw some powerful things. And so I I believe that even if you're not a leader in this house, you're going to experience the blessing of that, you know, because, you know, uh, I was praying for someone and a vision I got was of their of their like 
the inside of them, but it looked like a pipe, like a, like a uh, pipe on a sink, sink pipe. <laughs> I don't know how to call it. It's like a metal pipe. Okay, that whatever is metal. And I saw it. And as, I, and as I was praying, I saw it. And then I saw inside of him that there was like this cloggage right here. It was stopped up. And, and the Lord spoke to me and he was like, you know, that's unforgiveness. And so anytime anyone would pour, you know, when you pour into something and it's clogged up, it doesn't go in all the way. It just gets stopped up. And before you know it, it's, it gets stagnant and it gets nasty, the water. And it's, yeah. And so what you need is you need, you need Drano. You know what Drano is? <laughs> you need, you need something to clean out all that blockage so that, so that it can go in and it can go in deep. And so, you know, so many of us, when we come into the house of God, we've got a lot of things that are blocking us. There's a lot of blockage there. And so when people pour into our lives, it feels like it's just stagnant. So we really need that healing and deliverance so that it can go in deep. And so we saw a lot of that uh, this past weekend. So, man, God is good. God is so good. Yeah. And his desire is for us. Yeah, that's not what I'm preaching about today, but uh, man, I just had to report that to you, church. Uh, thanks for praying. Thanks for continuing to see these things happen because uh, God is really increasing this house. Amen? Amen. Amen. The word of the Lord for us comes today from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 2. The title of today's message is The Stewardship of Sons. You know, God speaks to me about sonship all the time, so I end up talking about it all the time. <clears throat> if you don't have your Bible, you can look up on the PowerPoint, the amazing, marvelous, awesome tech team has it up there. Oh, yeah. I also helped lead the tech team, so that's why I put in a plug. <laughs> Shameless, I know. I ain't got no shame. Uh, so first Corinthians chapter four, verses one to two. Let's read it all together, shall we? One, two, three. She This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today, God. We thank you that you have called your sons and daughters into your house on this day. Yeah, God, we thank you for your healing and deliverance, God. We thank you that, Lord, everywhere where Jesus went, he brought healing and deliverance. And you want to bring healing and deliverance as you did to the leaders, to every person who walks into the doors of this church and every person on the street as well, God. And Father, I pray that today, Lord, as I preach your word, I pray, God, that your word would be spirit and life. I pray, God, that it would establish us in your truth. Establish us in your word, God, that we would never be the same again, God, that we would live differently, Lord. Yeah, God, I bind every work of the devil right now, God. I bind every distracting spirit. I bind every mocking spirit of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. I just take authority and I just break it off. I command it to go right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, in its place, God, I speak a filling of the Holy Spirit. A filling of the spirit of wisdom and revelation unto the knowledge of you, God. May the eyes of our hearts be enlightened during this time. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, yeah, I want to talk to you about the stewardship of sons. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God. 
We all want to be known. We all want the mysteries of God, right? You know, the mysteries of God, like his revelation, his power. We want to know his healing, right? We want to know his provision. Can I get amen? Amen. We want to know his goodness, right? You know, we read our Bible, you know, it's like Revelation chapter four, right? That God is sitting up in his throne and there's this 24 elders and there's all these angels and they're all worshiping him and it's all glorious and it's all crazy. And we're like, wow, that's pretty awesome. We read in, we read in, in other areas where it says in, in the book, in Psalms that we've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his children begging for bread. We see in Nahum, it says that God is good. He's a refuge in the day of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. We see that God is also known as Jehovah Rapha, right? He's the Lord, our healer. He's Jehovah Sekinu. He's the Lord, our righteousness. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's the Lord, our peace. And we want these things, right? We want to know God deeper, right? You know, if you enter this place and you don't want to know God, you're probably in the wrong place. We all want to know the mysteries of God. We all want to know him in a deep level. We want to know him in a way in which our our heart burns. We want to know him in a way in which our lives are transformed. Amen? Amen. We want to be able to be not just stewards of these mysteries, not just know these mysteries, but also to be known as servants of Christ, right? You know, I meet so many people and they say, you know what, I'm a Christian. You know, when you say you're a Christian, what you're identifying yourself as is a servant of Christ. You're taking on his name and you're saying that I'm living in a way that shows his likeness. I'm a Christian. I identify myself with Christ. We want to be known as men and women of God, right? We want to be known as, as, you know, Megan wants to be known as a woman of God, right? You know, when, when somebody has a problem... You know, and they're like, who should I talk to? I've got all these problems. I've got so many things. You know, we, I'm sure Megan wants someone to be like, you know what? You should talk to Megan. She's a woman of God. You're going to spend some time with her and you're, you're going to go into that conversation. You're going to leave straight up set free. You're going to go in with a problem. You're going to leave with a solution. You're going to go in without a problem. You're going to leave with solutions. You know what I'm saying? Like she stewards the mysteries of God. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want to be like, I got this problem. Who do I talk to? Where I you know what? You should talk to Mark Rado. This guy, he is a man of God. I like that they moved the seats forward, right? It's like mad close. I can just see right here. <laughs> high five, high five. All right. <laughs> I told him before service, he's like, we're going to do high fives during service. I was like, in no way, shape or form. I totally went back on my word. I'm sorry, Lord. It's like you got a problem like, man, you should talk to Mark Rado. He's a man of God and he stewards the mysteries of God. You're going to sit with him and he's going to be able to explain the word to you, going to explain truth to you in a way that's going to set you free. Because all of us long to know the mysteries of God. We long to steward the mysteries of God. You don't want it to be like, you know, I got this problem. Who do I talk to? It's like, you know, well, you don't want to talk to Brian Kim. You know, you don't want to talk to Brian Kim. I mean, he's a man of God, but he don't steward the mysteries of God. He stewards stupidity. It's a joke. It's a joke. I say it because he can take it. You guys are going like, oh, pastor bad, Brian good. (laughs) It ain't even like that. You know, like you don't, we don't want to be people who are, who are seen as, 
as people that you don't want to go to to steward the mysteries of God. Like you don't want to talk to that person. You know, you're going to spend time with them and it's just going to be foolishness. We want to be people in which other people want to spend time with. And it's, be, it's not because you have a great personality, but because when you spend time with them, the words you speak are spirit and life. Because when you're spending that time with them, you are stewarding the mysteries of God. Not just that, but so many of us want to steward the mysteries of God in other ways, right? Many of you, God has given you callings in ministry. Maybe not even in ministry. Maybe it's in business. Maybe it's in the arts. Maybe it's in music. Maybe it's you're you're an anointed worship leader. You're anointed praise leader, you know. And when you come up and you string your, your you play your guitar, I'm a redeemed Brian right here. When Brian plays his guitar, this man of God, the anointing of God just shows up and people get blessed. People get healed. People get set free. And because it's when he's playing what he's doing, he's stewarding the mysteries of God. Maybe God has put a calling on your life in the ministry in the, in, to steward the mysteries of God by preaching. By teaching, maybe just being a discipler, maybe just mentoring someone. Each one of us actually are meant to steward the mysteries of God. It says in Isaiah 61, I read it earlier, right? When you keep reading, it says they shall be called priests and ministers of our God. It's not just talking about the pastors. It's talking about each and every one of you. You're meant to be a priest. You're meant to be a minister of our God. And when it says you are a minister, that means that you actually minister. And as you do it, you're stewarding just the power, the revelation, the healing, not just even that, but the prosperity, the blessings, the benefits that our God has. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Amen. He forgives all our sin. He heals all our diseases. But, you know, Paul writes this. He says, you know, this is how people should see us. People should look at us and they should say, you know what? That's a man of God. That's a woman of God right there. And you know what? They steward the mysteries of God. But he keeps going. But he says, moreover, it is required of these stewards, these people who have the mystery of God, who are able to give it and able to bless and able to move in this way. It is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Everyone say trustworthy. trustworthy. Everyone say faithful. faithful. You know, that word, that word trustworthy, the actual word, it's, I'm not going to say it in the Greek because it sounds funny, but it actually means faithful. Moreover, it is required of people who are going to steward the mysteries of God. The Greek word is, is pistis. Pistis. Okay, it's not funny. Anyways, it requires that they be found faithful. That in order for you to steward the mysteries of God, in order for you to be a blessing, not just unto yourself, but unto the people around you, in order for you to go out and actually achieve your destiny, it is required for you to be found faithful. You know, and the thing is about being found faithful the thing is about being found faithful. It actually says in the NIV, I believe it says um, it is required of those who are given a trust that they be found faithful. The thing about this is, is that in order for you to be found faithful 
Someone else has to find you faithful. You can't find yourself faithful. Do you know that? So many of us in the body of Christ, we like to find ourselves faithful. You know, we're like, well, so, uh, you know, I, I think I'm pretty faithful in reading my Bible. You know, I'm pretty faithful in my time. I'm, I'm faithful in, in going to church. When's the last time you went to church? Uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm pretty faithful in reading my Bible. When, when's the last time you read your Bible? Um, you know, I listen. I, uh, so I got the audio Bible on MP3. And uh, I, I listened to it a couple weeks ago. But I'm pretty faithful, you know. I, I'm pretty faithful in praying. I meet, I meet with God often. Me and God talk often. When's the last time you had a, a good, solid time of prayer with God? Are you talking about like, what, what you talking? You talking like five minutes? You talking like, like two? Because if you're talking two, I do that like every day. You know what I'm saying, son? I do it every single day. I'm faithful in my prayer. No, I'm talking like, like 45 minutes to an hour. 45 minutes? Who got 45 minutes? But I'm pretty faithful. We like to find ourselves faithful. We find ourselves faithful in everything that we do. We tell ourselves, you know what? I'm pretty faithful. I'm trustworthy. We think of ourselves in that way, right? But you can't judge yourself as being faithful. Do you know that? The only way that you can be found faithful is if someone else finds you faithful. And that's not talking about your friends. You know, your friends that, oh, girl, you're so faithful. Girl, you, you're so faithful. I, I tell you, girl, am I faithful? Yeah, girl, you're so faithful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We get our friends around and they straight up, yes, man. Hey, dog, am I faithful? Homie, you know you're faithful, homie. <laughs> homie, you be so faithful, dog. You're so faithful. I don't know how many men talk like that, but, you know. I just, I just took what the girl said and made a deeper voice. Oh, you're so faithful, girl. <laughs> Someone has to find you faithful, but it's not the people, it's not your friends who find you faithful. It's the man and woman of God, whom God has set over your life that are to find you faithful. And if you're not found faithful by that man or woman of God, if you're not found faithful by the people that God has set over your life, how do you know you're going to be found faithful by God? And see, the way that you're found faithful, like I said, the NIV, it says that you are given a trust. Another way to say given a trust is a stewardship. Each one of us, whether we are a member of this church, whether it's your first time here, whether you're serving, whether you're a leader, each one of us have been given a stewardship. And in order for you to be entrusted with more from God, you first have to be found faithful In that stewardship that God has given you in the season that you're currently in. See, what I want to talk to you today is about stewardship. And the reason I say the stewardship of sons is because sons are stewards. Everywhere Joseph went, Joseph was a steward. Everywhere Jesus went, Jesus was a steward. He said, the words I give you are not my own. I only give you the words that the father gives. Jesus was a steward. Sons are stewards. If you receive the spirit of adoption as sons, if you walk in sonship, you're a steward. You know, sons steward, but orphans only spend. Orphans only spend. 
They only spend and waste and waste and waste and waste and waste and waste and take and take and take and take and take. Mine, 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 mine. But sons, they know how to steward. They know how to take what is given to them and they know how to multiply. And so I want to I want to talk about three different things that you are to steward if you are to be found faithful. If you are to be entrusted with the mysteries of God. We all said we want the mysteries of God. Amen. Amen. In the first place where you need to learn how to be, we all need to learn because this is something God's been teaching me. Is we have to learn how to be faithful. We have to learn how to be stewards in our assignment. Everyone say assignment. assignment. You know, for every assignment that you're given, you're given authority. You know, God was speaking to me earlier about about a destiny, right? Like about destiny. And God was telling me, you know what, Marcus, you have a destiny. Thanks, God. I know. We all have a destiny, right? We all have plans. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We all have been given a destiny, right? But there's two things that are required for you to, to learn how to steward. Two things that, you, that are required for you to learn how to manage if you are to reach your destiny. Because if you reach your destiny without these two things, your destiny will ultimately destroy you. You know, I know many people. I have, I have friends back home that are, in, uh, that are in the music industry back home. And they, start, and they started out like uh, just strong believers. And then they went in and, and they reached their destiny, but their destiny destroyed them. And you guys have heard of, you've heard of Cisco, right? You know, Cisco. Thun, 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 thun. I'm sorry. I was, this, okay. Okay. I didn't sing it. I just said. Thun, 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 thun. I'm sorry. You know, Cisco, right? He was like the black guy with silver hair. Right. Someone told me once I looked like Cisco. That was like the most offensive thing of all time. I was I don't look like Cisco, but I did bleach my hair once. Just kidding. All bla- like black people were doing it all over the world at that point. Okay, maybe not. Anyways, me and my cousin one day, we just heard that like you put peroxide in your hair and you go outside and it like changes your hair color. So we're like, and then we go outside. And like, oh! <laughs> we shaved our head. You know, Cisco, right? This guy, he wrote this song. Right? Called the Thong Song. Oh, you, oh, you, you, don't be grieved that I'm saying this in church. Come on now, I'm just keeping it real. But you know where he got his start? Church. You know, him and, him and his, him and his group that they started out with, they actually started out as a gospel group, went into the music industry, and then you now have the Thong Song. See, there's two, the two things that you need for your destiny to be reached and it not to destroy you is anointing and authority. You need anointing and authority or your destiny will destroy you. And sons know how to walk in both death and walk in their anointing and their authority. 
But I want to tell you something about anointing and authority. See, anointing comes from God. Anointing comes from God. It says in Isaiah 61, right? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me, right? He's gifted me. He's given me the inclination. He's given me the ability to preach good news to the poor. He's he's empowered me, right? He's anointed me. But authority comes through man. Anointing comes from God, but authority comes through man. We see this in the Bible with Jesus and the centurion. The centurion walks up to him and he says, you know what? I understand authority because I am a man who is under authority. And you're a man who has authority. Jesus said, right? He said at the end of the gospels, he said, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. And Jesus is a, he's a man. He's fully God, but he was also fully man. And then he gave that authority to his disciples. And then they gave that authority unto their disciples. And it passed on down. But see, you got to learn how to be a steward of authority that you're given, even in the smallest of places, if you ever wish to grow into authority. So many of us, we want to go to the mountaintop. You know, Lord, make me a CEO, make me a a head businessman. Hey, make me, God, to be a person that you see, Lord, everywhere, God. But I'm spreading your glory. I'm spreading your kingdom. It's all for your kingdom. (laughs) And you may have the gifting. You may have the anointing because God gives that freely. It says, I believe in 1 Corinthians 12, that the spirit gives gifts as he chooses freely. It's It's his will. But that anointing only comes as you're faithful. First with mopping the floor. First with sweeping. First with moving a chair. First with being in your small group and coming on time. First with your small group leader asking you to just read your Bible and doing it. You know, when someone asks you to do something that small, what they're doing is they're actually empowering you with authority to actually do it. So many times we look at our pastors and we look at our church leaders and our small group leaders and people who are above us. And when they ask us to do something or they encourage us to do something, we're like, I ain't doing that. You know, they hit them with the beatbox. You know. And, And then they wonder why when they pray for someone, nothing happens. When they pray for someone's deliverance, demons don't flee. Because there's no authority. Because you got in order for your authority, authority to increase, you first have to be a steward of your authority in the smallest of places. We see this in the life of David. So many of us want to be stewards of people. We want to go straight to the throne. We want to be kings. But. Before you can ever be a steward of human beings, you first have to be a faithful steward of things. David was a faithful steward of sheep. They did not have conversations. Those sheep did not talk back to him. He was out in the field with a whole bunch of sheep. You know, single people think we lonely. No, David was out there with sheep, y'all. That's loneliness, you know what I'm saying? He's just out there like, Bah. Bah. 
How are you doing today, sheep number one? You know? But David learned in that place, just, you know, Jesse had, had entrusted unto David authority. And he said, you know what, David, I want you to just exert this authority over these sheep. These sheep weren't even David's. They were Jesse's. And he stewarded just those sheep, just those things, those, those sheep. He didn't talk back. He had to lay his life down on behalf of those sheep. Like, you know, like, how many of you guys going to fight? You got a dog. How many of you guys going to fight for your dog? You know, a lion come up. <laughs> how about, you know, Fido? It was a, it was a good run. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dog lovers in here are like, you're evil. <laughs> you know, but David, David first learned how to be a steward over those sheep. And you know, when Samuel came and he found David, you know what he did? He anointed David. He received the anointing, but David still didn't have any authority for the kingship. So many times we get an anointing. We receive a prophetic word. We receive an impartation. First thing we want to do. Give me the mic. It's my turn. Somebody prophesies over us. You know, you're going to get taken. You know, God's going to use you in the marketplace. God's going to use you. You know, we're kicking down doors already with no authority. Only anointing. But you got to learn how to steward that authority over just small things first before you can steward people. You know, even before, after he stewarded those sheep, you know, the next thing that David stewarded, he stewarded a small group. (laughs) I'm going to put it in church context for y'all. David's mighty men. It was a bunch of ragtag guys that just saw David and was like, you know what? I'm going to follow that dude. And David pretty much had to spend most of his time discipling and rebuking those guys. Because everything that those guys said to him was like, you know, there's Saul over there. Hey, he's using the bathroom, dog. You can take him out right now. Right now, dog. Just, 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 I w- if I was you, if I was you, I'd totally get him. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> you know? Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. And he had to steward those people first. And as he was fleeing Saul, he had to learn how to just steward a small group of people before he ever got to the kingship. You got to first learn how to steward the small things in your assignment, the very small things. You know, the next thing that you have to learn how to steward are the words of the father. We've already we've received this teaching before, right? We got to learn how to steward the words that are spoken over us. So many of us, we come in and we come into the church walls and we receive a teaching. We receive we read our we read our Bibles. And nothing changes. We were given these words and their spirit and life. But how are you stewarding them? So many of us were like, God, show me some deep revelation. You know, I want to go to the throne room. I want to know. I want to see you in all your glory. I want to know you. Mm, Jesus. Shabbat. You know, like I want to prophesy. I want to prophesy over everyone around me. I want to do this. I want to, you know, and I'm not, not, we want to earnestly desire to prophesy. I'm in submission. But we're like, I want to prophesy. I want to preach. I want to, I want to stand on the pulpit and I want to speak such amazing words. But then what you don't see 
is the fact that the people that you see stewarding those words have first had to steward the words of the Father in the secret place. You know someone who astounds me in this church? It's Pastor Myung-Wa. Pastor Myung-Wa is a year younger than me, but every time I see her minister, I am blown away. Like she just ministers in such power, such authority, such love. Every time I watch her minister, I'm like so broken. I'm like, Lord, I don't know how to love. But what I recognized was that she's learned how to steward the words of the father. Even when we were first intern pastors and no one respected our leadership, we had no authority. And that's being real. You know, my first mission trip, I went out and I was like, all right, guys, we're doing this. And I was like, I ain't doing that. I was like, yo, you ain't going, I'm the leader of this title only. All right, I'm going to remember that. (laughs) Write that down, check. You know, but no, I'm just kidding. I forgave them. Like we, you know, when, and what I recognized was that she would take every single word that was preached. And if she didn't understand something, if she didn't fully get anything, she would take it home. She would meditate on it. She would, she would take it home. She would look at, look up words that she maybe didn't understand. She would work through what was going on. And it began to bear fruit in her life. I was like, man, that's stewarding the words of the father. Now, when you see her giving it to you, it's because it's already been broken in her life and blessed. You know, I believe it's Mark chapter eight. You can turn there right quick. See, we got to learn how to steward the words that are given to us. And Jesus, he gave a, he gave a clear example of this when he fed the 4,000. I'm not going to read all of this, but Jesus, he fed the 4,000, right? He took, I believe it was seven. How many was it this time? He got seven loaves and some fish. No, some seven loaves. He got seven loaves. And he blessed it and he broke it. And after he blessed it and broke it, what did he do? He put it in the hands of the disciples. And he said, go and feed the 4,000. You know, the father didn't take, it wasn't the father saying, okay. It wasn't like Jesus, he took it, he blessed it, he broke it. And as soon as he broke it, it was like enough to feed 4,000. He blessed it once, he broke it once, and then he put it in the hands of his disciples. And then he said, he told them to go and feed the 4,000. And everywhere they went, they stewarded that, that loaf of bread that was put in their hands by breaking it off in each and every person they met. And as they broke it off, it continued to multiply. You know, Jesus, I love how Jesus does things because, you know, what Jesus did as a literal example, he was pointing to a spiritual reality. Keep, go, on, go to verse 14. He says they had forgotten to bring bread and they had only had one loaf. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Why was and they they started to wonder, why is he cautioning me about bread? They don't got no bread. It's not like the Pharisees are walking around with a peri baguette. (laughs) He was talking about their teaching. He was talking about their principles. He was saying, don't let their principles multiply in your life. He said, take the principles that I give you and multiply them in the lives of other people around me. You know, before you can steward greater mysteries of God, you first have to learn how to steward the word that the father gives you. 
when he blessed it and broke it in your hands. My question to you is, are you taking it to other people and breaking it off in their lives? When they sit down with you, are you stewarding the words of the father into their lives? Words that are spirit and life. You know, a lot of times when I meet up with my friends that aren't believers and the Lord convicted me on this. I'm speaking real talk right now. There would be a lot of times in the past I would meet up with my friends that weren't Christian. And I was like, you know, I think I need to just go down to where they're at. And every time we meet, they'd be like, my life sucks. Everything around me sucks. You know, everything. And then it's like all they would talk about was how poor and how bad their life was. And so what I would do with them is I'd be like, it's all right. It's okay. You know, stay in that. And I'd go down to that place where they're at. And then I'd talk about other stuff. I would be breaking off the teeth. I'd be breaking off like the movies I've seen rather than the words of the father. Like, yo, have you seen Avatar? It's got the blue people. It's like crazy. It's like amazing. Not, man, you know what? Where you're at right now, I just heard a message this past week. And this is what it said. And it said that where the situation you're at, this is the solution that God has for your problem. You know what? You actually sound like you need community. You know, a couple months ago, Pastor Christians preached this message about not going out naked. And he wasn't talking about clothes. He was talking about covering. And right now you're just getting beat up because you have no covering. And breaking that off in their lives, that it would bring fruit, that it would bring just a manifest of God's glory in their lives. Before you ask for more, are you stewarding the words of the Father? And the last thing, because see, we got to be found faithful in these areas. I'm not saying this to be like all legalistic or be like whatever. What I'm saying this to is to encourage you because it's in this place that you, you are entrusted with more. When you're faithful in the small things, right? The, the last area that we need to learn how to steward, the thing we need to learn how to govern is our minds. We need, we need, we need to learn how to govern and steward our minds. You know, it says in, uh, it says in Proverbs, it says that he who governs his spirit is mightier than he who takes a city. You know, you can take a city, but if you don't, if you're not able to steward your mind and steward the beliefs and steward the things that are going on, you're not going to be able to rightly govern anything bigger than that. Like, You know, I was thinking about myself and where I, I have, where I don't steward my mind. And, and what happened was it, it was actually at the healing and deliverance retreat. Pastor Aaron came and she preached, she preached a message on unforgiveness. She preached a message on unforgiveness. And, and, you know, before that time, I was going through like such a warfare process inside of my heart and my mind because I was just struggling with this, this one question. And the question was, you know, am I, am I awkward? Am I, Lord, am I awkward? 
hey, no, 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 don't feel sorry for me. I'm getting somewhere. And I was like, and I, it wasn't just am I awkward, but I was recognizing that over the course of, of many months, I was having, I would just have so much fear, so much trepidation. And it would be little things that would then set me off because there was a certain area in my mind that I was not rightly governing. There were certain beliefs that were not being put in their proper place and not being stewarded and governed in their proper order. And what happened was I began to I began to pray and I began to ask the Lord, you know, because she was like, if you have any unforgiveness in your heart right now, I want you to just stand up. I'm like chilling. I'm like, I ain't got no unforgiveness. I'm good. Somebody going to get blessed today. You know, that's usually how we are during the altar calls. Oh, bless them. And then I'm sitting there and I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? You've got issues too. I was like, no, I don't. He was like, well, Marcus, you know, you've been going through this process of, of trying to figure out why you can't govern your mind. Why you can't, why, what, what is the root? What is the deception that you're buying into? Because at the root of that, there's a deception. You know, whenever you're, you're walking, you know, you come into church and someone's like, you know, hi, how are you doing? You're like, get away from me. Don't touch me. There's probably an issue there, you know, where you, you, a lot of us suffer from, you know, fear, paralyzing fear and paranoia. And we don't know where it's coming from. Little things set us off and, and make it us unable to really govern our, our minds in such a way that we'll be able to rightly walk and relate. And what God, what God showed me was he showed me, you know, I didn't, have my, I didn't have my father around when I was growing up. And so when I was a baby, you know, I, growing up until I was 13, I, I didn't know my father. My mom showed me she had one picture of my dad and she would show him to me. She never told me anything bad about my father. She would just always tell me good things about him. He's a great man, you know, but he's never around, but he's great. You know, and she showed me these pictures, his picture of him. And uh, I had the same picture. And I didn't. And then after that, you know, throughout my entire life, I couldn't figure out. What, what's going on with my mind? Like, why do I experience this paranoia? Why do I experience this fear? Why can I not govern and steward my mind? And what it came down to was that there was a base lie that I was believing. There was a lie that was being that was implanted in me that needed to get rooted out. So that then I could rightly test and approve the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. And it was that I had a vision when we were praying and it was of, it was me. I was born a couple months premature, maybe three months. And I was. Uh, and so I saw a picture. I saw myself in like the little incubator or whatever, whatever it's called. I've lost my English being in Korea for so long. And I saw I saw myself lying in that in that in the incubator, lying there right there in the hospital. And then I saw my father walk up. And I saw my father walk up and I saw him reach in, you know, they have the things you can reach in, reach out and touch someone. And he just reached in, kind of looked at me, put me down. 
turned around and walked off, got into his car and drove off and never saw him again. And the core lie that I was believing was that I was not pleasing. That the reason my father left was because I wasn't pleasing to him. And therefore, the core lie that I believed with God, the father was that I'm not pleasing to God. Because I'm not pleasing to my earthly father, I definitely can't be pleasing to God. And so the unforgiveness was that I was angry at my father, not for what he did. I'd already forgiven him for what he did. But I had not forgiven him for what he didn't do. Meaning shepherding me, covering me, teaching me everything I needed to learn, teaching me how to be a man, teaching me how to steward and walk as a son. And there was all this unforgiveness. And that was the root that was preventing me from rightly governing my mind. It's like I talked about in the beginning, right? It's like that metal pipe that's blocked up inside. And no matter how much God pours, no matter how much God pours, no matter how much you cry out for his pouring, it doesn't seem like it's ever enough. And I'm not talking about being hungry for God. But I'm talking about when we enter the house of God, not to give, but always and only to receive. And it's because inside there's a baseline that, you know what, God, maybe it's I'm a failure. Maybe I'm dirty. Maybe I'm not pleasing. And there's this baseline that we're believing that at the heart of it. It's probably the reason why we don't govern the words of the Father. At the heart of it is probably why we don't govern our assignments. Because maybe we're afraid of failure. Afraid of rejection. Faithfulness is about faith. And faithfulness is about, faith is about believing that God exists. And that he's a rewarder of his sons and daughters. Faith is about believing that God is pleased with us. Faith is about believing that when we enter into the house of God. That God has already blessed us. You know the thing about stewardship. Is that you can't steward something. That hasn't been given to you. And many of us we say I'm not a steward. I can't steward. I can't steward my my destiny i can't steward this authority i can't steward any of these things and it's because at our heart we still believe we're an orphan that hasn't been entrusted with anything but that's a lie because paul says he says moreover to those who have been given a trust you know the word steward actually means A manager of the house. And it was someone who when they walked into the house of God. They knew and they had clear purpose. Clear acceptance. Clear love. And therefore everything they did flowed out of that place. It says that stewards actually in in that time from that word. The stewards actually managed Not just the affairs of the slaves in the house, not just the affairs of the servants, not just the affairs of 
Yeah, but also the affairs of the other sons and also the blessings and provision of the father. Calling you to stewardship today because you have been given much. When Christ died on the cross for you and he said it is finished, he entrusted you with much. Freely you have received for you to freely give. Let's pray.